We know a ton of you are huge Overwatch fans, and we are grateful for their support of Kind of Funny Live. Thanks again to the Overwatch teams at Blizzard and Activision. Are you excited for Overwatch? If you haven't bought it yet, check out Amazon.com slash Overwatch to learn more about the game. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 71 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. We're now two away. Okay, just episode. just give up. When, when, how long do you think I could roll with it? You shouldn't have said it on episode 70. Now. It's done. Yeah, it's yeah, episode 69 was that, that, that was that, and it's on to the next thing. But that's my thing. I'm so nostalgic, Greg. You, you are know, nostalgic. Thinking back to If you want to open in topic one times. of episode 71 was the four best moments from to episode 69, that would make See, sense. See, that's a Tim Gettys ass yeah. move. You know, we're getting numbers in the headline. We're talking about bullshit. Yeah, mm. yeah. that's definitely classic, a Tim Gettys move. Classic Tim Gettys. If you didn't know, I'm Tim Gettys, joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Colin Moriarty and Greg Miller. Hello. It's good to be here with you today. This is the kind of funny games cast. Every week we get together, talk about video games, whole bunch of other shit. You can get it on YouTube.com slash kind of funny games, where we break it out topic by topic, Monday through Thursday, the full thing on Friday. You can also get that on iTunes or SoundCloud or any of those podcast networks. But if you want it early and if you want those goodies... And if you want the authority of a pen in your hand, you can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games. Throw some dollars our way. You get all those things. If you want the pen, you need to probably go to a Walgreens, though. Is it a forward slash or a backslash? It's a slash. I hate it's when people slash. say forward slash. It's, it's a slash. It's no an, one it's uses Nick Scarpino thing. No one it's uses Nick backslash. It's a Nick Scarpino. Nick won't stop but saying I mean, forward back. slash. No one uses the yeah, backslash, backslash button. is like a made up. I mean, it's a thing. thing. I know where it is on the keyboard and it's for programming, I think. But like you don't you don't. No one's getting confused on you that. You don't use that button. Yeah. It's like so Nick, Nick insists on saying forward slash. Yeah. As if anyone is confused. Well, Nick is also Literally, the type of person to talk about AOL keywords. So the, the internet was invented, or the World Wide Web was invented 23 years ago, mm-hmm. and we've been using slashes to type in URLs ever since. No one's confused about which slash you should use. No what one's is like, a tilde? No one's like, a tilde is the... I know what it is, but what is it? Like, what's it's, it for? Uh, I think in math, it's to approximate numbers. So, like, you so would put, but like... they felt the need to put that on the keyboard? Yeah, I guess what's well, so. about yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, like one million. You put a little tilde in front of it, and then it's approximately one million. I think yeah. that's kind of how it's used. Yeah, mm. obsessed. You me. need that kind of stuff. Really. Yeah, how many like people are like... coming to Kind of Funny Live? Tilde one thousand. Yeah, I guess you're right. You are right, or you're always right. Just like Colin. Do you think Tilda Swinston Swinston was named after the little <gasps> tilde? No, probably not. Maybe. I'd like to hope. I don't know who that is, but I hope that you know who someone Tilda was like, Swinson you know what? Is. It made the keyboard. It can make my daughter. And that's going to be a good old time okay. for everybody. I want to talk about Homefront and Doom. Two first-person shooters. Yes, that I have not played. Yeah. But you guys, to some extent, have played them. Yeah, it's important. I mean, I can't speak for Greg. It's important to note that I've I've played each of those games for a few hours. Yeah, so here's the thing. We were going to call this the review. But we're like, no, this is, this is we didn't do enough to do first a review. Impressions. Yeah, so first impressions. This is just going to be, what do you think? I've just been busy with those kinds of things. So what, I was thinking about this when you brought up this topic. The interesting thing about these particular games is that they're both games that had very tortured developments. Um, and what I think... Ha- so Doom was announced all the way back in 2008. People forget about that. Doom 4, or was it was originally called, it was announced in 2008, and they scrapped it, and they made it again. And that's how we, we got Doom. Um, and Homefront... I mean, Homefront 2 was so old that T- THQ still existed and announced this game. And people forget Montreal. THQ Montreal was developing it. Then it was kicked over... Uh, to European studios like Crytek, then Crytek owned it, then Crytek went under, or started, their studio went under, then Crytek UK became Damn Busters, and then the game was sold to Coke Media, and Coke Media owns Deep Silver, and then the, and then it became an open world game, and like, so 
I thought it was interesting that these games coming out the same week or really a few days apart. They didn't come out technically the same week. Duke came out first. But that they both come from this tortured lineage and one turned out pretty well and the other didn't turn out very well. And the one that turned out well, I think, is Doom. And that's not a huge surprise. And the one that didn't turn out well was Homefront. And that's not a huge surprise, but I think I had more expectations for it. So, mm. um, so my, my, do you think that's on a personal level or an industry? Yeah, level? it's a personal yeah. level, I think, because I just think the original Homefront, um, Chaos Studios, Chaos Studios was a, a very rare New York City based studio. And they were the ones that made the original Homefront were shuttered, even though the original Homefront sold like three and a half million copies. So I was like, that's kind of bullshit. And there's actually great exposés about what happened at Chaos. Um, with the game and after the game came out um, on Polygon, I think they wrote like a huge long form article about it. If you guys want to look it up, it's really interesting. Um, but home for the original home front was short, but I think good. I, I think I gave it a good like seven and a half or something like that. On, at it IGN. was solid. I yeah. enjoyed the original home front. I'm not even a shooter fan. Yeah, I like I love shooters and and uh, I love obviously these Red Dawn type games and that are kind of rare and few and far between. And um, I enjoyed it. I wanted more of it, which is usually a compliment for a game. I thought it was very short. And then they had a, a multiplayer that, uh, you know, when you talk about it with people, they were quite into it. They, they enjoy, I enjoyed the multiplayer. One of the rare shows I have is from the home for multiplayer, mm-hmm. actually. And uh, which is entering a match with a full team of 12 or something like that, which I thought, you know, I was inviting people from IGN. To do. Exactly. Anyway, uh, so this game is, you know, I was always intrigued by this new game and what I'm realizing from it is that it seems to be preliminarily very half-baked. This is a game that clearly was tortured, clearly maybe should have come out a while ago, doesn't look very good. Certainly on PlayStation 4, it doesn't, doesn't run, run very run well. well. Uh, PC apparently is a disaster, according to Jim Sterling, who we trust very much. Did you watch that video yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. It's awesome. He has this video up, and he put it up at the one the home front embargo lifted, and I was like we're scrolling through, because I had started on PlayStation 4, and I don't even think I got the introduction. I was running poorly. It wasn't that it wasn't that I didn't want to play it anymore. It was that I, I was trying to get through the introduction. I'm learning about where to crawl and how to do all this stuff, and it's all framey and shitty, and then my PlayStation just made the choice for me. Just went, and spit the disc out. I was like, oh, you don't, <laughs> yeah, you don't like want to play this ser- anymore? I put ser- it back in. Just went, I'm like, all right, well, we won't it's play ser- it. It's, seren- it's like serendipity. We'll start Rash and Clank. But Jim put up a review. His, his tweet was just everything you need to know about Homefront. And you went, and that's what he called the video. And it's just like two and a half, three minutes of characters running in slow motion for no reason, like in the game, running into walls and just continuing to run in the walls. There's this uh, female character on the ground and her neck's all distended like a worm. And he walks over it and then his leg starts to distend and go off. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, the game seems to be um, not very well made. And actually, one of my major problems with it is that its story is just kind of nonsense. And I know that that's easy to say, but like, why isn't that a complaint with the original Homefront? The original Homefront story is similar in that North Korea somehow consolidates power after the Korean War, mm. kind of becomes more powerful than South Korea. Because a lot of people forget that in real history, North Korea was actually more prosperous than South Korea until the 70s. So North Korea was actually doing better with the help of the Soviet Union and all that kind of stuff. When that kind of stuff started to collapse, uh, North Korea obviously became the kind of bullshit place that it is right now. So um, this, the original story suggests that North Korea has uh, consolidated power and there's like an oil crisis and all these kinds of things. And I remember when I worked at IGN, as I've said in the past, I wrote this piece talking to ex-CIA agents about, like, how could this happen? This is ridiculous. How can this happen? And they walked me through, like, very specific things have to happen, but this is how this might occur. That, like, a s- North Korea, which can't even feed its own people, instead became this military powerhouse that actually invades the United States. And I'm like, okay. Um, and I liked kind of the story. It was, it was, it was unorthodox, but interesting. And this, in this new one... The new one pretends that the original Homefront never happened, which to me doesn't make any sense because the original Homefront sparks a revolution, and they could have been the spark, and it could have been the point in which this game began. 
So A, that doesn't make any sense. B, they rewrite the story so that there's a North Korean corporation called Apex that uh, basically starts to dominate. They become like the Silicon. North Korea basically becomes Silicon Valley in the 70s. They create the personal computer. They create the, you know, the, the microchip. They create smartphones, you know, all, tablets. Yeah. And so it creates this whole thing right, and weapons. And, they, and we start buying everything from them. But mysteriously, in the decades that we've been buying everything from them, they've introduced backdoors and all the technology and they shut everything off. And so, first of all, I'm like, that's fucking absurd. How can no one know that that happened? Like, no one knew. It's like the Cylons getting into, in, into the fucking mainframe computers at the beginning of Battlestar Galactica. They had to at least be clever about it. This wasn't even like, you know, a clever thing. They shut everything off and now everything doesn't work. And then the North Koreans basically invade. And that's basically the foundation of the story. And there's like an economic collapse and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, so that's absurd. But isn't but, it just absurd in a different way? Because, I mean, it's it's one of those, like, it's it, it, the home front original storyline is a little absurd, like you pointed out. Like, you talked to these CIA. It's very specific things need to happen. Very specific things. Yeah, but this is, this is, this like, is action this is, movie dumb. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I think, and this is, stick with me, because you're going to want to cut me off and yell at me. I loved the uh, the intro of setting it up. It was action movie dumb. Don't get me wrong. Of course, I loved home front, period. The original home front's intro was e- even better, I thought, because it was, here's the geopolitical forces of how this would go and where it would go. Whereas this was just a gruff voice giving you a rundown of like they made, they made the smartphone and then they turned everything off. Yeah, You're like this is just Dark Angel, motherfucker. So, <laughs> so my my assumption is that in the story at some point China must have been the bad guy, and if not, and I feel that way about the original Homefront too. And there's like some, I guess one that was true though, or maybe I'm thinking Red Dawn. Yeah, Red Dawn is definitely they definitely had to change that. But um, so because MGM was in trouble with their Chinese right, right, investors, right. Or whatever I don't know. But the the story would have made way more sense if it was just China. Then you wouldn't have to have these these complex geopolitical what ifs like it just makes sense you don't have to set it up at all this is one of those things that you get hung up on and i don't think 90 and i think 90 percent of the players 99 maybe 95 percent of the players go and just okay that's the story and you're hung up like wait why how could they do this like i don't know that it's that small small of a number i think that if you're going to play home front the revolution especially because it's not getting great reviews you must be invested in the lore of the what ifs of of a conquered united states and i think that doesn't really make any sense but that that aside then you play the game and what i realized about the game was and I don't know if Greg agrees or Greg, I guess Greg, Greg, Greg didn't get far enough yeah. to really know is that it's a really half-baked kind of uh, poor man's Ubisoft game. And I didn't really realize that's what it's going to be. I knew that it was open world. The game takes place in Philadelphia, which I think is very cool. I think the city's well realized. There is a darkness and a, and a direness to it, to the revolution, and all these kinds of things. I think that that's that's great. But everything about it is just kind of like not very good and from like what i can tell and that's disappointing like the gameplay is not super satisfying you're basically just taking over parts of maps just like you would in a ubisoft game but it's just not as fun the stealth isn't as good the gunplay is not as good um and then there's these characters and the characters just suck and that was like the one the one thing is like there's memorable characters from original home and i still remember that one dude with the don't try on me flag shirt or whatever he's like a nut job um and I remember that one scene in the original Homefront that I thought brought real resonance when you're in the house, the Resistance house or whatever, and like you're walking through their gardens, like in their makeshift farms, and like how they like generate how electricity. They keep this going. Yeah, yeah. And it's like really kind of cool, like insight into like there there's a lot of Easter eggs there. There's it. a map about like where everything is and stuff like like a lot of little environmental storytelling. I have not found that yet in this. No, because this one is this is the opposite of that. With the original Homefront, okay, North Koreans come in and take over, and I expected to be ramshackle and da da. This one, they come in and take over, and it's very Times Squarey. There are digital signs still moving. They're clearly they've come in and given them power and do. And it's just like, well, how did you get in and set this up to look pretty nice? Not great, but you know what I mean. Where it is, there's like digital barricades and shit like that, and like really nice armored guys. Who it's like, what yeah, the hell happened here? It just doesn't work. And I, I'm gonna keep playing because I'm hope that like there's more to it than that. But I think that the reviews, which are subpar to bad, 
with rare exception, are pretty probably pretty spot on. Um, so I, I I've just been underwhelmed by it. I thought that this was a game I was going to voraciously consume because I've been looking forward to it for so long, and and I'm almost glad that when I went to play it a few weeks ago. Um, the PC I was supposed to play it on didn't work, and I just ended up playing because it, it, it kind of would have jaded me. I think even from that point, because I, I and and it Kismet makes and it makes in. sense yeah. why the embargo was when it was. It makes sense that the games weren't really given out or very early. It makes sense that no one really knew anything about the game. This game just, I think that they, pro- and I don't think it's Dan Buster Studios' fault. I don't think it's really anyone's fault per se. I just think this game passed through way too many hands and like way too many creative teams. And it looks old and it doesn't run right and it's just fucking muddled. Um, so that's my impression very early in the game. Doom, um, I think, is awesome in a lot of respects. And it's fast. It's fucking crazy. It's Doom. And uh, that's what we love about Doom. Doom's it, nonsense. And I think what it, what Doom does right that a lot of games you know we talk about all the time is Doom delivers on what you f- remember the original doom being it's that nostalgia you know so many games you go back to you're like i love this game you play you're like oh mm. this isn't exactly what i wanted or they rebooting like this doesn't feel like it doom from the fucking heavy metal score to these brutal kills to running it like uh, i was playing it and i'm i'm way shorter than Colin. i'm at two three levels in because i don't get to oh, that. i mean i'm only a, f- a couple levels in too i just play very much i'm like looking sure. for collectibles and stuff, well, so that, no, we'll get to that in a second because that is great but for doom it was like I, I i you know the first big area you get into where it's kind of like all right cool there's a million guys here well, how are you gonna do it i started playing like uh you know like popping around corners and doing and i died it's like fuck and i came back in the next one and it was like oh no run through this shotgun everyone stun someone just break their neck run over to that because you're getting the health bonuses you're getting the ammo off these guys and it's, it's meant and like i can't believe how well it runs it's you know the antithesis of home run of oh, so this is, this is a game so that, fast and so smooth and so good looking yeah yeah and you're running around just breaking necks doing this throwing these bodies it's like oh shit now for me it was two or three levels of it and i was like oh cool that's what this is and that's not where i am right now it was over the weekend i'm like that's not what i want to play right now i ended up finally starting ratchet and having a great time because i wanted a story and investigate these worlds and do all this different stuff and but i was play doom and i'm like i totally get why everybody's in love with this and you you know looking at uh, you know jeff gersman and a bunch of other uh, game writers and stuff over the weekend as they played and got deeper and deeper and deeper into it it was awesome to see them say I can't believe that this gets better as it goes. It gets more enjoyable as it goes. The combat mm. loop of how you do this and how you upgrading where you go. But yeah, trying to find everything. As soon as I found the first little uh, blue marine or whatever, I was like, fuck. I'll, I'll have to run around every one of these levels trying to find everything. <laughs> yeah. The thing about Doom is that it's a game from a, 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 gone, a, a bygone era of shooters because shooters take themselves way more seriously now. And it's right. not that Doom doesn't take itself seriously because I don't really feel like the original Doom was supposed to be sarcastic like Wolfenstein was supposed to be sarcastic. We have to remember that the same studio made these games. Um, Wolfenstein was definitely over the top and silly, but Wolfenstein has important DNA because it's really the first first person shooter. And Doom was the one that really took it to a bigger scale. But I don't necessarily think it was supposed to be facetious. It was just silly. Yeah. With the metal soundtrack and stuff like that, but you're fighting demons. There was just no context for what a shooter could be yet. So I think that that is like the early 90s. We kind of understand that that that's early 90s shooter personified. Right. And then they yeah. went to Quake and all these kinds of things. The game's fidelity is really fine. Now, a lot of the guys that really made the original games are obviously gone. I mean, pretty much all of them at id. But id's all about fidelity. And I think that, you know, they kind of lost the plot with Rage for a lot of people. Like, Rage was all about... Um, and I liked Rage, but I, but Rage was... They were like, look how good it runs. And look how, like, all these things. And they're like, but yeah, but, like, it's just not fun. And I think that with Doom, it's like, well, look how good it runs. And it's Doom. It's the classic Doom that you understand and that you love. Full of demons and monsters and... The one thing that I think people are wrong about with Doom and, and reading some of the criticism is like it's stupid. It has no story and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're fucking wrong. Like I, I like I don't really get where you're why you're saying that. 
there's no story if you just run through the game into these into the in, from compound to compound across the red soil of Mars and all these kinds of things. But if you take the time to investigate and read the codices and read about the weapons, and all this kind of stuff, I was actually shocked by like like how much shit is in the like how much lore and writing is in the game. I'm not saying the story is good. I'm not saying I'm not, but I'm not saying the story is bad either. I just feel people when people say like, well, there's it's not really a story driven game. And I'm like, maybe it's not story driven, but there is a plot there. Um, there is a story to be found. It's not just silly shooting, but at the end of the day, it's so fast um, and so fluid. And I love I mean, and, and, and I, I've said this before. This is why I love resistance is that I love shooters with limited health, with armor, like no regenerating health. And I actually started as I usually do. I usually start games on hard and I started doom on hard. And I'm like, fuck this. Like, I'm like, this is way, way too hard for me right yeah. now. I'm just not in this mode. I haven't played a game in a long time. Um, so I went back and I'm playing it on normal. Uh, but I do think that there's just a nice loop there, as Greg said, with just destroying enemies, meleeing enemies, um, finding these collectibles. The powerful. maps are open, too. And, and that was the cool thing that people forgot about. The, the heritage about Doom is the open maps. Like, people forget, like, Doom's a really important shooter, one of the most important shooters ever made. But Doom was huge. For its time, even and actually for maybe a decade afterwards, Doom was still a huge game with lots of secrets, and that's and that was found in Wolfenstein too. But Wolfenstein's secrets were absurd; like you'd have to like go across the walls, yeah, yeah, yeah. that all look the same, and just keep tapping the fucking spacebar and hoping something opens. And this, like the map, they have like really cool, realized, rendered three D maps where you can go in and like see like where everything like like and spin it and like rotate it and stuff like that, and see like what you're missing. I'm like pretty impressed with doom and it's actually the game that i've been thinking about like that i want to go back to because i've been kind of conflicted with Homefront and doom where i want to play them both and i want to see Homefront through to completion if i can because i just want to see the story but doom is very satisfying i definitely think that doom and i, I don't want to render a final verdict on either of the games because i just haven't played enough of them but i do think doom um is delivering mm. in a way that Homefront clearly isn't delivering yeah again not being a shooter fan but having jumped into both these like doom is the one i could see myself going back and playing when i'm in that mood you know what yeah. I mean? when i do want to run around and blast stuff i love i mean i was like that was such an awesome moment when you rip yourself off the table and you go over there and you see the suit and you put on the suit like that's fucking cool and like i don't even have like a real soft spot for doom i love doom too i played a lot of doom too back in the day but it's the one that yeah i think i'm like that's not one that's never gonna get played again by me i will get back to that when i'm like you know what fuck around i just want to fuck around for a few hours and kill stuff yeah I, I really wish I wasn't so you know head down in uh, kind of funny live because like doom looks like the perfect game for me right now after ratchet and then uncharted mm. This is what I want is just a fun shooter So hopefully you know a couple weeks I'll get back to it because it doesn't seem like it's that long So no, it's supposed to be seven or eight hours <laughs> for That's me. Just, it's probably like ten because I like to be fucking annoying and Look in every corner. You could just left it there. Um, yeah, I just like to be annoying uh, but I do want to say that uh, this just reminds me because a lot of people ask about books and all this kind of stuff This reminds me that masters of doom is a must-read video game book. Also the Bible. Um, also the Bible. You should read yeah, the Bible. Yeah. But Masters of Doom is a game you should or a book you should absolutely look up about the creation of of Commander Keen and Wolfenstein and Doom. And uh, just reminds me of, even though it's not the same id anymore, but as this id is kind of a different id. Carmack's gone, obviously. Um, and uh, it's just and Romero's been gone forever. It's just a great book. These guys are fucking crazy. Like that's that's the thing I always taken away, and even though that stamp doesn't mean the same, it's same with Naughty Dog. Like Naughty Dog, um, is a different company without its leadership. There, the people that are there now are not the ones that were there in the beginning, with rare exception, um, after the merger with Sony. So, but there's a spirit in that studio that never leaves, and I feel the same. I feel the same way with ID. So people should go read that book. I think it's a fantastic, fantastic read. Topic two, we're talking about EA. We're talking about Star Wars Battlefront. We're talking about it not having a campaign. 
Over on GameSpot, Eddie, Eddie writes, Speaking during EA's Investor Day event, EA Studios boss Patrick Soderlund talked about how Star Wars Battlefront, while generally well-received, was criticized for its lack of a single-player campaign. He also teased that a future installment might include a campaign. He started off by explaining it was a purposeful decision to leave out a campaign for Battlefront, in part so that the team at DICE would get it out in time for the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. The game is based on the original Star Wars trilogy, but it did have content based on Jakku, a setting from the new movie. Additionally, it makes sense that EA would want to get the game out in time for the film. While Battlefront was overall a success shipping over 14 million copies, Sutherland said he's not pleased with the 75 score it has on Metacritic. Quote, the one thing that we get criticized on was the lack of a single player campaign. It was a conscious decision we made due to time and being able to launch the game side by side with the movie that came out to get the strongest possible impact. I think the team created a really good game based on the premise that we had. I'd say the game was done very well for us and reached a very different demographic than a traditional EA game. So from that perspective, it's a success. Are we happy with the 75 rating? No. Is that something we're going to cure going forward? Absolutely. So yeah, then the game had missions. It didn't have an actual... Right. Campaign. And then also, he said another thing was the depth and breadth is something that's proving to be more and more important. He said, in a world where uh, where we want sixty dollars up front, and we expect people to stay with us over the course of a long time. The depth of what we offer is important. We have to go back and course correct that for another version if we were ever to build one. Um, the future Battlefront game would need to offer more depth and, and breadth. We had designed it to be much more accessible product to a wide age group, so an eight year old could play with his father on the couch, as well as a teenager or twenty year old could play the game and enjoy it. So for the hardcore, it may not have the depth that they wanted in the game. So, all right, what do you guys take from this? Um, this is I remember when when Battlefront came out, and we talked about it. And I remember why I remember talking about watching Greg play the game. Um, and my original thought, as I said, was this is a fucking waste. That like they built this, you know, the I guess Frostbite or whatever is this game's running on a beautiful dice engine. It looks it looks awesome. The 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 gunplay is great. The worlds are beautifully realized, and you have to play it online. And like that, I was like, that sucks. That just sucks. But you know what? Like 14 million copies of a game makes it one of the best selling games of the year easily um, last year or, or, or really of the last six months, let's say not even calendar year, but calendar six months. And EA can't be too disappointed. I don't think EA gives a fuck about that Metacritic score. I think that that's them saying like we can improve critically because of optics. And they've been doing a really nice job of the last few years of making them not the worst company, you know, the consumerist right. kind of worst company in the world anymore. But Gamers I, first. But I think if says. they said, like, could we bump the the 75 to an 80 and get 10 million copies sold? I think they'd be like, you know, like, fuck you sure. guys. Like, we're, we're good. I think it's an easy I, way to say they heard. They heard yeah. this because this is the one thing everyone lobbed at this game when it came out. Mm-hmm. Like, when I played it, and like that's the fun thing, you know, months removed now, right? What? We got to be six, seven months removed from it. I still think uh, Battlefront, man, I was like, that was a great game. I had a lot of fun with that game. That's my reflection on it. Mm-hmm. Would I have played it longer or more if there was a single player? I don't know, maybe, but I oh, I, I would have played that campaign, man. Sure, but I'm what I'm saying for me personally, I don't know if the campaign would have then cut into my multiplayer time or would I have ever even touched multiplayer? Or would I have cared? Like being a multiplayer only game, I for me is not a dirty word anymore. I think it's it definitely limits my interest in a lot of games. But playing Battlefront, it nailed what it needed to nail for that time. What he's talking about in the quote, I should point out uh, about you know a, a dad and son can play it or a twenty year old can sit down and play it and they can all have a great time. That's it. Kevin and I were you know talking about it in Connor Live today. Like, I'm like, are you still playing it? He's like, no, but I'd like to get back to it one day. And that's how I feel. It is one of those games where if all of a sudden they dropped, if all of a sudden in Star, same day, same Tuesday on the PlayStation 4, some awesome expansion came out for Star Wars. That's just, you know, multiplayer only. And some awesome expansion came down on the, came out of the division. I would have such a better chance of playing Star Wars because I know I can just jump in and go. 
I'm going to jump in and be right there with everybody. Some people have better guns than me, but it won't be the end of the world. Whereas Division, like, whoa, what's your gear score? What's your level here? What's this? That? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, did you do this prerequisite mission before? And I was like, no, you don't know if that's what it is. Star- Battlefront, I think, was a success. I think most people look back at it and say, oh, that was a fun game if they played it. If they didn't play it, I think it is that they're hung up on the single player because that's what they wanted out of it, which is totally fair and fine. But I don't think it's it's not in the Titanfall sense of this multiplayer only game where history has forgotten it. And I think of Titanfall and I'm like, yeah, I did enjoy Titanfall for that month, but man, I never played any other stuff and they kind of screwed up this and that, 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 that. I have like a laundry list of things that didn't go right for why Titanfall isn't looked back. And I'm not like, man. I fucking remember what a great time I had with the game, which I did, and I can't wait for Titanfall 2, but Battlefront, it's like, I still think of Battlefront positively, and I still think about jumping back into Battlefront. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think that uh, what you said about the the multiplayer games, it's not that you're not into them, it's just that uh, it really needs to grab you. For me, I'm totally not into it. I totally want it, just a single-player campaign. Yeah. Single-player Star Wars in that style, that is really all that I need. I would have never touched the multiplayer at all. Yeah. Having said that, the fact that it was multiplayer only, I did play it for a bit, and that's saying a lot. Like Star Wars is probably the only thing that can grab me in that way um, to, to make me do that, and it I had a lot of fun with it. I liked that it was accessible, but I also understand that it had a, a kind of a limit to its to its depth, which right. holds you back from really, really getting into it in that way. Um, I think that you're right. Like this, he it's them acknowledging the the faults, and it's not only the campaign, but it's also the depth. And I think that this is all good signs for the sequel. Sure, you that know? they heard you, that they know this is what's coming. They've seen that. I mean, like you know, a great example of it is Poe. Like you know, Poe, my best friend back in Chicago, doesn't own a PlayStation Four. But when I went out to Vegas to visit with him, I brought a PlayStation Four just to show him some cool shit that was on it. And I was like, I have all these cool multiplayer games lined up. And he's like, Oh, that Star Wars game. I'm like, yeah, but we're not connected to the internet. We can do, we just played the, the mission, the training stuff over and over again, like flying the you know yeah. the X wings or whatever, and running through and shooting and doing all. It's like that's all he wanted out of that experience, which is what a lot of people, I'm sure, wanted out of that experience. Yeah. So the we're supposed to be getting another one this year, right? Is that what they were saying at the E3 that they're talking about doing a announcing that there will be at least a. There'll probably be an expansion, but Battlefront 2 will be 2017. Yeah, I thought I thought they had said something about 2017. Sorry, I mean, this year 2. we're getting an announcement for... for yeah, you're going to get one. more content yeah, for Battlefront. Yeah, they'll yeah, announce yeah. it maybe yeah. in the EA Play. And I mean, yeah, and that's that's awesome. I think, like, this, it's all good news. I mean, it sucks last year because, yeah, like, there was so much issue, and people were really uh, enraged with the fact that the game was so bare for a $60 purchase, and yeah. plus there was so much DLC and, like, day one this and that, whatever. But it's like, man, $14 million, like, that money's going somewhere, and if that $14 million then gets this, this next one to be exactly what we do want, yeah. like, that sucks for the people that had to invest to make that happen, but, I mean, that's kind of just how this all works. But that's the weird thing, right, is I wonder, this is always the thing is that in video games which is very which is very interesting is that everyone has an opinion about every game and i always feel like it's always like when somebody wants to talk shit about dc universe online but didn't play dc universe online they've just seen it from the outside how many of the 14 million units sold are like me where i look back and i'm like i had a lot of fun and how many are the rest of the industry who didn't buy it we're like, oh, no single player, no sale. That's stupid. Da, 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 da. I don't know if there's people, and I'm sure, that of course, there are. I don't know how large the percentage of people who bought that game and were like, oh, this sucks. And mm-hmm. I mean, I saw the tweets and I know this happened. I know John Boyega tweeted about wanting single player and all this different stuff. Like, I get it. And I know you're out there, but I mean, I think there's enough informed consumers that bought it and were like, oh, I'm getting, I got what I wanted or what well, I thought I was going to get. I also think there's a difference, too, between wanting single player and being upset about what you got mm-hmm. you know what i mean i think that like i was I, going to your point where you're like well that sucks for them and i'm like well th- were the, for the people that that sucked for are they the ones who bought it no for sure that that, mm-hmm. and that is a totally valid point. EA, i mean the, the thing is that ea is not disappointed in this game and for context and this is only because they re- renounced numbers recently like battle so i just these numbers are fresh in my mind battlefront sold more than dark souls one two and three combined right 
these are games that are like critic that are like critical darlings yeah, and yeah. that like hardcore gamers love and stuff yet and are not for everyone obviously i'm not throwing shade in any respect to dark souls it's just those numbers are in my mind where battlefront having been out six months against a series that is beloved by core gamers outsold it even though people had all of these complaints about it so it's and it's a star wars game and it has commercials i'm not saying that all things are created equal all i'm saying is that context is really important 14 million copies is a fucking lot and even if even if half of those people liked the game a lot they're in great shape for the the sequel but i do think it's you know there's some confusion with what ea is going to do with star wars that's why i think it's somewhat of a strategic error that they didn't have some sort of b tier or single a tier star wars game attached to the movie that should have come out at the same time and that's what i predicted for a long time they were going to do and it makes you wonder if that was the intent at some point because they obviously admit that they could have done a single player campaign but didn't to make it out come out with the same time with force awakens so it makes you wonder like what kind of pieces were being moved behind the scenes mm-hmm. but with dice's kind of mixed heritage of multiplayer and then actually they they have a single player heritage it's 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 interesting to see like what they can do um with that particular uh franchise moving forward but this fills a vacuum in between like what respawn's going to do with star wars which my assumption is going to be very titanfall probably um uh, not Titanfall literally, but a, probably a third person online shooter with some sort of campaign component and then Visceral's heritage of, of like narrative driven games and I, I doubt that that Visceral's game will have an online component at all. So um, they have like these voids filled with the Star Wars licenses pretty well and it's the one cool thing and one thing I credit EA for is that they're at least putting quality first like Battlefront was in no way shape or form anything but a good game. It's just not um, my kind of game and I do think that it was a waste like having seen how beautiful that Battle of Hoth was for instance how chaotic it was I'm like man this is I know we've done this so many times, but I could do this again. I can do this every few years, really, with these iconic battles. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see what the campaign is. I'm totally going to play the campaign in Battlefront 2. And um, I hope it's awesome. I hope it's long. I hope it's 15 hours long. It'll be awesome. Oh, my God. That sounds so, so damn that's good. Because that's the thing that, yeah. Yeah, it won't be. The presentation <laughs> of this game is, is so immaculate that, I, I mean, even, even a nine-hour experience with this, I'd be like, over the top excited about just because like you're right like we're getting these other games as well so it's like when you look at it as a whole man it's good ass time to be a star wars game fan so yeah things are things are move i mean it's we haven't when we really think about it we have the great star wars pc games the x you know x-wing tie fighter dark forces i mean people love those kinds of games and those are great games those are some of the few pc games i've actually really played and enjoyed when i was a kid because i was such a star wars dork but then you had like the the JVC like Star Super Star Wars games, which I I think were actually like really great games too on Super Nintendo. But after that, like we really didn't get anything worth a damn, with rare exception. Like Kotor was an exception. Um, but you got like Masters Kasi, or you got like yeah Jedi power battles. Yeah, like Jedi you have battles. you have like you have some you have a lot of like nonsense that didn't really respect the IP and yeah. the ones that didn't respect the IP really didn't respect it or went in their own direction with their own lore like with what Obsidian did and stuff like that so it's cool to just see like studios that seem to understand it take it a little more seriously ground the ground the games a little bit more into genres that we understand um, it, part of that Disney push we were talking about the one thing that I would love is and the one thing I hope is really in the works although it's not an EA so this is the complication is that EA is basically publishing all the Star Wars games now and this is not uh, something that EA would be known to do because EA doesn't make role playing games typically, with the exception of, you know, they have their Bioware studios making Dragon, uh, Dragon Age and Mass Effect, but not um, they're kind of doing their own thing. And Bioware might be muddling around with Star Wars, or whatever. But I would love to see them do another KOTOR. Um, and that would be complicated because who owns the IP to that? Like Knights of the Old Republic. I don't know like where that falls in with Lucas and all that kind of stuff. But mm. it would be cool for them to commit. I guess what I'm saying is it would be cool for them to commission a studio outside of their own RPG realm, which really is specialized in Bioware and 
go to Obsidian or something and be like, we are going to invest you know a lot of money in many years into you guys making a proper single player Star Wars role playing game. Um, I think would be really cool in time for maybe the third film even. You know, mm-hmm. really have a long kind of game and play the long game with it. I think it would be really fun. And then let Bioware kind of mess around with their own IP because I think that's kind of their strength. I, I just don't want, in other words, I don't want like EA to become taking all of their studios and being like, everyone's working on Star Wars sure. now. Yeah. It's like, that's fucking boring. I, I, I'd I really be bummed if Bioware like was just pivoting away from that kind of, you know, doing their own kind of thing. So they have to start looking at some maybe second party kind of type relationships to get something like that. And I think that a deep role playing game would be a good way to go. I agree completely this topic brought to you by squarespace whether you need a landing page a beautiful gallery a professional blog or an online store it's all included with your squarespace website let's go through a bit of the features let's do it we, why don't we yeah do they have the dot com is that a feature you can get a dot com okay. you can get a, a free custom domain actually squarespace makes adding a domain to your site simple if you sign up for a year you'll receive a custom domain for free for that Whoa. entire year. It's very easy to do. Obviously, we've been over this before. Creating a website with Squarespace is a simple, intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. We're talking about beautiful templates, Greg. Design a best-in-class online store with Squarespace's award-winning templates, customizable settings, and more, all without a single plugin. I'm happy about that. Plugins are what complicate everything, Colin. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Nick made the original kind of funny website. No plugins necessary. No, he made it with Squarespace. He used, he used Squarespace. He built it beautiful, and it was it was a very beautiful website that we used for a long time. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter code kind of funny to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace. Set your website apart. You should. You should. Beautiful. You definitely should. Jack. I need to make a note for Kevin here. There we say, go. Say hi. Just say hi. Hi, Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. It's time for topic Vader time. number three. Unsurprisingly, I want to talk about Nintendo. Nintendo. Movie plans. Oh God! Things are things are happening. Things yeah. are a brew over in Nintendo Land. Over at IGN, Alex Osborne writes: Nintendo President Tatsumi Kimishima confirmed the company has plans to produce feature films and is exploring a production system in which we can do as much as we can ourselves. Kimishima did not give a specific time frame as to when the company plans to release its first movie, only saying, "quote The first title won't be ready this year." but it also won't take five years. Oh! He also noted that Nintendo isn't interested in producing live-action movies, with Kimishima citing the 1993 Super Mario Bros. film as the main reason why the company is leaning towards anime-type content when Nintendo should produce as much by itself as possible. Instead. With regard to which Nintendo franchise may be adapted, he refused to specify. This isn't the first time Nintendo's expressed interest in the movie business. Last year, Miyamoto said the company's open to movie adaptations based on its stable of beloved characters. In fact, legendary game designer released a batch of Pikmin short films in 2014, the same year during all those Sony leaks. Uh, a hack revealed that Spider-Man producer Avi Arad was in negotiations, negotiations with Nintendo to produce an animated Super Mario Bros. movie, which would have been through Sony Pictures, and that would have been interesting. Um, and then last year, there was those Netflix rumors about the Zelda series yeah, that are yeah, yeah. not panning out. What do you think? Good luck. I don't know. It's, it's, are they, uh, my concern is, are they all going to be like direct DVD movies? Or are they going to be real movies that like come to a theater? Or are they going to be Netflix projects, which would be cool too? There's a bunch of cool ways to do it, but there's so many different ways to, for it to go wrong. You figure the Mario, they're going to do a Mario. They have to be looking at Mario. Yeah. Right. But when, uh, I think when you talk to us and you talk to other g- people who are probably watching this core gamers, you're jumping to, man, a Zelda movie would be awesome. Maybe a Metroid movie would be awesome. Like taking these worlds that are cool, but don't get super fleshed out with story and giving them and giving them characters, letting them go. Like they talked about, you know, anime style, right? Like 
uh, Legend of Zelda anime would be awesome mm-hmm. if you do, if done right. Le- but then just a CG movie of Legend of Zelda in the theaters would be fucking rad too, and it would set the world on fire if you gave it the real promotional push and the right writers and the right director. And you know, it's it's similar to what we're talking about with Disney and like how they're partnering with the best people for the best IPs. If Nintendo was like, all right, cool, let's go, and they wanted to do some of it in house, which is when it's like eh, it'd be cool. Like, what if you went to Pixar? And we're like, let's fucking make a Nintendo movie. Which property do you want to do? Or do you have some kind of goofy idea to bring them all together? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think the in-house thing is, is a good thing. I think that what they're talking about is not necessarily doing the movie stuff, but it's more about the writing and the, the characters and the story and all of that stuff. Like recently they did the, in the launch for Star Fox Zero, one of the few good things about that game was the anime that came with it. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. Like I was like, how did you nail this so well? How did you get the characters? And like, and that was written in house or done everything in house. Uh, I I don't know the, the okay. exact things, but I mean, I know that Nint- Nintendo made it. They they commissioned other people to work, but I mean, it was a Nintendo project. Gotcha, like, gotcha, they had gotcha. it planned out. I mean, I imagine that this is what they're talking about. Like they're not talking about. Hey, we make video games. Now we're making movies. I think it's more like, you know, they would be producing the project, commissioning out other people that have the the skills and resources to do it. I know the anime, the Star Fox one was made by like real anime houses that work gotcha. on like Bleach gotcha, and all gotcha, that, gotcha, like gotcha. Naruto and all that stuff. Naruto? Um, and I, I really loved that. I thought it was amazing. I'm like, man, this I if I was little... I mean, I loved it now, but like if I was little, that's the type of shit that like I remember Nintendo Power would come with like comics every once in a while, like a Metroid comic or Star Fox comic. And I was like, fuck, this is this is awesome. And uh, this the anime is like really one of those things where I'm like, man, I never thought that I'd I'd see this type of thing. And I think that now we're finally at a place where media is is so making videos isn't a big deal. You know, we're almost at a point that making movies isn't a big deal. Like people can just do it like we could make a movie right now if we wanted to with the camera would be good. Oh, it'd be good. But whatever. You know, a couple years ago, we couldn't do that. Colin does Daleks. Um, oh, yeah. I'd like to see that shit. So I, I think that uh, there's also been a lot of other rumors about Nintendo talking about making actual anime series and will it go on Netflix or this or that, whatever. The distribution, it it gets weird. So when you say the real movie or direct-to-DVD, direct-to-DVD at this point is even more of an insult than it used to be. Yeah, it is. And that's why I, I just don't want Aladdin for Jafar needs glasses. I want like a real goddamn movie. Okay. First off, do not talk shit about Return of the Jafar or king of thieves both fucking awesome movies mm-hmm. there's no aladdin 4 if there was i'm sure it would be horrible but two and three were dope as fuck um but i think that when nintendo it's like yeah if they did direct to dvd that would be an issue but it's yeah. like if they made a netflix movie i think that could be really cool really good even and i think that we're in a in a place right now in 2016 when you look at cg movies like it, it kind of sucks the russian clank is seemingly not what Good. It could have been. Yeah. Um, and it seems that it's awesome, but it missed the mark of the game of what made the game special. It's like it didn't from I didn't see it, but from reading the reviews, it seems like it didn't kind of use any of the inventive weapons or kind of really hit on that level of the, the, that's a big part of the game. What is Ratchet? Yeah, yeah. What is Ratchet and Clank? And they, they missed the, the mark on that. Um, I think that it's a little bit easier to to nail that with Mario and stuff, because I feel like Mario is a little simpler than Ratchet and Clank. In that regard, it is him trying to rescue the princess. That's the narrative. There's not that element that you can miss. You know what I mean? I get, I've, I worry about fleshing it out enough to make it a full-blown movie. That's the thing. Is like Right now, Princess Peach and Mario aren't in-depth characters. There's not a lot of you know depth to them when you play these games. right? It is like, I, hey, Mario, I'm making you a cake. Come over. And then she gets kidnapped, and then we go through all these worlds, right? But I, there's potential there but i worry if nintendo's there holding on too tight do we ever get that potential where we're getting into who mario is and all this stuff and they're like well no we don't need to know that just get him out there 
Bowser's made this fucking thing a floating castle. But I think that's where it's at, though. I mean, I, I think that we'd be crazy to think that we're going to get a fleshed out Mario movie that like I just want to know his motivations. Doing. I want to know that, what his drinking. Problem. I think the Mario game it needs to be simple. It needs to be a, it's a kid movie. You know, it's like in that movie I mean, that needs to make a lot of money so that they can then make the the Zeldas or the Metroids yeah. or whatever. I honestly I think that the the best foot forward would to be to make the Nintendo movie. Yeah, that, that I totally make, agree with. Yeah, make the Lego movie of Nintendo some kind movies. of crossover that's going to end Nintendo is Sonic. Don't call Sonic it, is there. Don't call it Smash Bros. But it's Smash Bros. It's all the character. Like if they just did the plot of Super Smash Bros. Brawl, the single player campaign. Um, and made that into a thing. Just, there's some bad guy who doesn't matter who the fuck it is. Master all the bad Man. guys are getting together and fighting. And then all the good guys come. They're all introduced. They at first they're kind of fighting, but then they join up to beat the bad guy. Sold. Just don't ruin the trailer because everybody laughed like that was going to be a big reveal that the good guys were going to get together at the end. I think that I mean, I'm a little more bullish about this thing, Greg. I think this is like an obvious win for them. And um, it's shocking that they really I mean, I know that they really got burned with the Mario game movie like, you know, a long time ago and. And that they've been like really quite siloed away from kind of the realities of entertainment and they've been very prideful and they've been very insular with their IP. But I think that, you know, this can go in multiple ways. And I think that all of the ways are pretty positive for them. They could do they could invest in a Pixar style Mario movie. And what would even be more interesting is if they really got in a bed with Pixar or they really got in a bed with DreamWorks or one of these big studios and was like you guys do it and we'll like we'll license it and we'll 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 green light it. But like a studio that has talent that's going to it's going to be published by Disney or something yep. like that and you have um a whole marketing arm a whole marketing empire kind of behind it i think that that movie can't lose even if it's bad i don't think that that like a mario movie like that can lose the but i don't mo- think they'll do that is my thing i think nintendo's too stubborn for this to let I, that I, much up i think maybe things are changing though i mean i think that there's and that's the thing is i think i would agree with you except for the last year or so or the last 18 months they just are a little different now and or they're changing. I don't know if it's fast enough. I don't know if it's too late, but I really think that it's cha- they're changing. The smartphone games is a really great sign that um, while they're not for me and I don't give a flying fuck about these games like Mitomo, a lot of people do. And this is probably the direction you need to go in, especially for the native market in Japan. And I think that when you really think about um, what would be, I think, the smartest and boldest move for them and what I think would be re- a really exciting second or so like secondary, or maybe even tertiary move once a Mario movie comes out or a Pokemon movie or whatever it might be. Would be, um, and I know that they've done Pokemon movies, but you understand what I'm saying. Pokemon really was the last big marketing fucking shotgun blast, right? When you really think about it, like card game, cartoon, movie, all these kind of things. Like they really were all on board with that kind of shit. So there is that. But is I think Metroid's obviously the one that's ripest for the for for the picking in terms of real storytelling, a real movie with real people in it, not a cartoon. And this is one of those things where you can make us, you can almost reverse engineer Metroid to be something that. Everyone's like, what the fuck is Metroid when they're in a the movie theater? And they realize like, wow, this is a game series from the mid 80s. This is awesome. Stars a female kind of heroine. Um, you know, she's she's sexy, but she's badass and she's fucking killing all these monsters. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, it could, it could, be, could be someone like that. I mean, hopefully not. But but so to me, it's like I would love to see them do something bold like that because I think everyone kind of defaults to like, well, Mario and Pokemon. And I'm like, well, all right, those make sense. You can even do something with Donkey Kong. You can do something with Kirby. It doesn't matter. Like Those are cartoons. Then you have something like Zelda. Which I think is dangerous because what we really are losing sight of with Zelda, and I say this as a huge Zelda fan, is Zelda has no fucking story. So I don't think you really want to go in that direction and like shoehorn things into a silent protagonist and all these kinds of things. It's just not going to, I think people are going to look at it and be like, this isn't 
But I mean, that's what I'm, Zelda? I'm the same thing with Zelda is the same thing. I think with Metroid, I think Zelda has a better shot of it, of being the one you put out there. That is different. Link talks in this. It, I think the story makes sense in the terms of you have to unite all these artifacts that are spread out throughout these dungeons or whatever. And that's why you get all these different cool areas to go into fight, meet new characters, raise up this army or whatever. But that's the one like we always talk about in the way of like, I think the echo chamber core audience, whatever you want to call it, gives Zelda so much credit that it's a big deal to us. So it should be a big deal. It must sell millions and millions and millions of copies. And it does. It doesn't sell fine. Does well. We're all excited about it. We love Zelda, but I think that could be the one where it could be the, you get that in front of people and like the people who had no idea what Lord of the Rings were before Lord of the Rings came out. You could see people going like that trailer looks awesome. And he's fighting that one eyed spider and this is happening. And he's fucking knocking lightning bolts or whatever back at this redheaded dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I could go see that movie. Zelda doesn't have the resonance, but Zelda has, and I don't want to say Metroid doesn't have the respect because I'm a Metroid fan, but Zelda has like a like a like a je ne sais quoi about it where people it's a little sacred to people, I think. And like, I think it is what it is. And I think the exciting thing about Metroid, what I really want to see them do with Metroid, and that's why I'm confident Metroid is in an next launch title as well, is that they kind of probably realize that. Met, I mean, you want to talk about Zelda not selling great. I mean, a, a good example is like Skyward Sword was outsold by Uncharted 3, which was, to me was like unbelievable considering the install base, considering the residents of, of, of Zelda. Considering that we hadn't, you know, people were not too happy with Twilight Princess, but it seemed like Skyward Sword just like didn't really do it for people. It sold four million copies, I think. But it with Metroid, Metroid sells way worse, right? And that's why I think it's exciting because now they can have this thing where it's like Nintendo fans are excited about it, the dorks and the nerds about Nintendo are excited about it, like. A, but then like they show it in the, in the theater and it's got fine production value and it's a hundred million dollar movie and it's all these kinds of things and it's Metroid for a whole new generation or just a whole group of people that have no idea what the hell Metroid is, but it's a movie they can enjoy without any context for the games. And I think this is a great backdoor into like revitalizing that series and then figuring out what you can do with these IP that make a lot of sense. So I really feel like what I'd be most excited about is, yeah, Mario movie would be interesting. I think they can, I think that'd be easy. I don't think there is a plot problem there. I don't think you have to have a plot. Like that's like really very deep. I think you can do something, like I said, cute with animal crossing or, you know, whatever you want to do. But I think Metroid's the one where, they can make a serious good movie and they can really reap benefits from it that will reach back into their catalog and allow people to play those games again and, re- and, and realize that those games are great and let them kind of, you know, let retro or another studio kind of run with the series and tell us to, and, and give us a different look at Nintendo, something that's dark and serious. I mean, they've had the series since the very beginning of and the NES, so it's not like this is a new thing for them. But see, that's like wave four or wave three or four, though, because well, it, it was secondary be, or tertiary. Yeah, well, I think mean, it'd be Mario and then it would be Zelda because Zelda starts to deal with that where it gets darker, but it's so bright and so light and you can't mm-hmm. enjoy it. and It's not all scary times. And then, yeah, but I don't think we'll ever get to that. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean I, it's this whole thing is crazy because so, I mean, they're talking about not doing any live action, so like, it would all have to be cartoon. Yeah, that's or, what that's what I saw. And that's what I'm saying is like my my hope is that they realize that that's probably a mistake. You know, and like, I, I just don't know if it is. But I agree with you that a live action Metroid would be awesome. I, I don't necessarily think a live action Zelda would would work that well. Um, I think that it, I a CG either. one could. Um, but I, I just think that it's it's too hard to do that right is my problem is like it's like lord of the rings yeah if it's lord of the rings fuck yeah but it's not gonna be and i think if it was a netflix show like we said a long time ago i'm totally cool with that because there's a different level of quality associated with that and you have more time to explain things and the budget is just different if a zelda live action movie was in theaters i can't imagine it looking right or feeling right and everyone's well, I, I think if you, I, I would put it as cg and i think that i mean that, then, okay then that's where I, that's I'm what totally i'm doing sold. with the zelda movie i'm not jumping out into live action i'm Great. staying away from that in general with my pitches or whatever but the problem is that i just and i think it would have a better shot just in the fact of like 
when a kid's movie comes out, I just don't give a rat's ass. And so like when Mario comes out, I know it's going to be a kid's movie unless they're getting into his drinking problem. And then, but so like when that comes out, it's just like, that's not doing anything to push it forward. I think a Zelda movie can go both ways. It can, Mm -hmm. it does expand out. You've seen the one IGN put up the fake trailer for the Zelda movie, like the way everyone freaked the fuck out. Yeah. That would still be there. Yeah, but I think, and I, I, I totally agree with you. I think a CG Zelda is is the right move. But a perfect example, of what I'm saying is that Zelda trailer. If you look at it now, I mean, it's it's shit. Sure, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. like it, it looks. It's what, as excited as you were back then. It was more of the idea, right? Somebody's um, doing this, and yeah. back then it was novel and fresh, and that was crazy. But now it's like, oh god, this is really rough. Uh, you saying Pokemon? I don't even know why. Like I didn't even that didn't come to mind. Like the Pokemon movies, it's different because Pokemon is a cartoon, you know, already, and like those movies were. I don't look at them as video game movies. They're they're cartoon movies. You know what I mean? Sure, but that was just my example of the really the only time since Captain N where they, which was like what I grew up with, where they were like, let's just fucking do it. You know, like <laughs> like everything. Like because mm-hmm. you know you were younger, maybe not even born, but like there was a Nintendo at one time that was like all about merch and all mm-hmm. about licensing. I had fucking Legend of Zelda cereal. I had Super Mario Brothers cereal. I had a fucking Zelda lunchbox. I had all these things that just were unheard of, really, unless you go to like the Nintendo store or something, like where these were quite ubiquitous when I was a kid. And um, Pokemon to me, and like from like 98, 99 to like the early 2000s, that was an example to me. I mean, I remember I had my Team Rocket action figures just on my computer monitor, and I was like, this is... I would never be able to even get my hands on something like this unless I went to Japan, unless I went to like fun, like specialty shops or got my Funko Pop, whatever, like whatever it is. In other words, these were just more ubiquitous. I had my Zelda figures. I had like all of these kinds of things. And I think I you're like, about that. Like if you go to a toy store or even a Target, Nintendo takes up a surprising amount of like the action figure. I only see Amiibo when I go to these no, stores. No, besides Amiibo. Not electronics. Yeah. There's, yeah, non, non-video game oh. stuff. Like there's, there's like, it's surprising me that there's so much Diddy Kong action figures and Samus and well, that's what I need. Link and, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I mean, it's it's pretty, it's way Diddy more. Kong sucks. Can we just like, say it? Way more expensive than I ever thought. Like there's Star Fox and stuff. Like, I, like well, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. But what I'm really saying weird. is like, they really were all about like pushing an IP. Um, with Pokemon and that made sense and they, they made a lot of money. Um, and I just think it's see Nintendo needs to change. And I think that they're starting to realize that they need to, they have to leverage their IP and their licensing. They are just not going to be the Nintendo that they were ever again. And anyone who thinks that that's going to happen is wrong. They're done in that respect. Like they're not going to be this powerhouse of 50 million, 70 million, 80 million, a hundred million selling consoles. It's not going to happen anymore. So you need to you need to figure out ways to like leverage those things. And since they refuse to go third party, which would be obviously the salvation of that company, obviously, um, I think that they have to start like getting really comfortable with just heavy licensing. The fact that there's not like a Nintendo like theme park in the United States or like that they haven't buddied with someone in an intimate way, whether it was Universal, whether it was Disney well, or whoever. They're working on it. Oh, they are. OK, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. So like the fact that like why did that happen in 1990? Yeah, like this is what I'm saying. Like, why didn't like why isn't there a Nintendo channel like a really like a, like on television? Like, why didn't they like become this ubiquitous thing? Like they just let it go. And I don't and it's just kind of it's kind of crazy how this company really like the like the, the Q score kind of aspect of this company has changed so much, I think, in a, in a way Mario and and they just kind of like threw it away. And uh, they the, the thing is that they have this IP. And they're always going to have it. And so they should leverage it in as many ways as possible. And I think that's going to be smart for them to do. I think that a Mario movie made by Pixar would make hundreds of millions of dollars in profit. And um, I think that um, allowing them to do secondary and tertiary moves like making a Metroid movie and taking risks 
Um, because I'll tell you right now, with all the people that are talking about how much money they have, they can't t- take too many risks. They, if they start dumping money into these projects and they fail, they're going to have no money. So I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out for them. I'm rooting for them. But I, and the crazy thing we're talking about with distribution platforms is like, what if the NX is the distribution platform? Mm hmm. I hope not. I think that is, that's a that's a bad move. I mean, they need you're, what you're saying is right that they need to use their IP to get out to different people to have them come back for the games. Um, I think the CG route's amazing. I, I wish that Pixar would be involved. They're not going to, and Disney's not going to be involved. They have too much shit going on. They have to make their own movies. DreamWorks, absolutely. I think this is something that would be right up there. Their alley. There's a whole bunch of other smaller. Um, and CG. Jack Black is Mario. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's I can totally see that type of shit happening. And like again, like it's not like I'm looking forward to the Mario movie. Like that is going to be the kids' thing. But I think that the the smartest call for them would be to do a Nintendo Lego movie style thing. Um, Pokemon, even if they did a Pokemon movie that wasn't related to that the cartoon, I think that could obviously kill. I think that is the easiest win for them besides just Nintendo yeah. straight up. Mario's going to perform super well. I think Zelda is the, the next choice after that. But I love the idea of a Nintendo cinematic universe that uh, I actually think would work with DC's planning, but in a way the DC's, I don't think, is kind of working out, where if they started with the everyone's here and then kind of splinter out, yeah, but yeah. splinter out in a way that they're not splintering out to then reteam up again. It's more yeah, just yeah, like... Yeah, now you go off in your own universe. Exactly. It's just like, here's introducing... like. Everybody knows these Nintendo characters. You might not know the eight Fire Emblem characters. You might not know um, Captain Falcon or whatever, but... Here they are, and then if they ever get their own thing, whether it's a movie or a a 10-minute anime short on YouTube or uh, a Netflix series or a one-off special, whatever it is, like I think that they have so many IP that work together in a in a way that we've seen with Smash Bros. Like we can see these things that should clash somehow not clash because they're Nintendo. That's something unique to Nintendo and Disney. I can't think of many more other people like that. So I'm I'm excited by this, but it's the same type of thing where I'm like I remember when we heard about crazy taxi movies. That never happened. Yeah. We've been hearing about Metroid movies for 20 years, you know, and like that shit never happened. So we'll see how this we goes down. We got that down. show about one. That show uh, about the fan short film. film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've gotten so many fan films. I think that's actually like a bigger issue with this. And that's what I was saying about the live action stuff is that I think CG gives the shit a chance because live fan fan films have already let us see what these things could be in real life. Right. So it's like, unless there are super high budget and if even then then we're getting transformers you know it's like i think the cg is the right route because it's the only way that these things can really work and actually impress us otherwise we're going to get let down 100 percent. we're just going to get a splatoon movie <laughs> that is true <laughs> yeah i mean if they made a splatoon like cartoon that went like maybe not a movie but a cartoon and then if that led a movie i think that they can turn that into a fucking franchise yeah not for me but for pair. some motherfuckers out there pair parents kids pair does love splatoon absolutely all right. As always, final topic of the day brought to you over other kind of funny forums. Go to kindoffunny.com slash gamescast topic. Hold on again. I need to make a note. Make a note to Kevin again. Yeah, Dear Kevin, note. it's been 18 minutes since I last talked to you. Ryan Moroski says, what do you think Rocksteady's up to now? Do you think oh. they'll make a new IP? Good question. Oh, no. that's a great question. Yeah, I bet they're still. I bet they're doing. They'll do another license game. I don't. I think that they saw what worked with Batman. They saw the critical acclaim. They saw the millions of fans, and I think they want to keep going with that. And I'm sure WB is still trying to beat down their door to get them to pick up something. And I'm because sh- that's the thing when you're like for the to let them finish their Batman trilogy. 
ignoring origins that wasn't theirs uh to let them finish that i'm sure wb's like what's next what do you want to do do you want to take on this character do you want to do this do you want to do justice league do you want to do a do you want to do batman beyond which was like my dream would be my dream come true of course but there's so many different things but i I would still say they're they're going to be doing a comic book game a licensed comic book game yeah i would agree i mean the, the, the thing though is that they have a lot of uh license to do whatever they want now so right. um they i'm sure that there are people there that are creative that want to do their own game but i just don't know that that's a smart move for them they can build a war chest and like a lot of as long as they keep doing well they can build up a lot of acclaim which i think that and i think they frankly they lost a little bit of their acclaim with the last batman game so I really? think that they, yeah think with arkham knight yeah i think that a lot of people weren't crazy about that game and i think that I think they, they have. Crazy I think they, about, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying. I think that they, they they probably. I think that's why I think they do stay within comic books is because I think they feel like they have something to prove and and it's not like they they're not bad. I mean, the game wasn't bad. It was good. It was no. just it was just not nearly as good as Arkham. See, that's Arkham what I was going to say. Is I think that they they have a bit of an uncharted syndrome of just like, all right, cool. Arkham City was awesome. Right, Arkham Knight's kind of the same. And there's this tank shit I hate. You know what I mean? It was still like a great game. It's yeah, still a it's just, it, but, game. It, but unlike Asylum and especially City, I think like that game, like no one even talked about that game after like two months. Like it right, wasn't because it, like, it was so the, it was so the same. Yeah, it was. And but I think that like it just wasn't in game of the year discussion. It wasn't anything. I think that they have something to prove. Um, I think they overthought that game. I think that it's clear sure. that they felt like they had to change too much and they didn't have to change much at all to make, you know, because their production value is so high. The writing is so on point. Um, it's just like they need to go back to the drawing board and I think tweak some things, remove some things, tweak that gameplay, which I think is getting a little tired and a little stale. Um, but I think my guess is that it would be like Justice League related. Yeah, I think I think that they obviously stay with Warner Brothers. Um, they stay with DC, um, but they could do whatever they want. I could see him do another Batman game, just a different Batman. You know what I mean? There's so many different versions of Batman in alternate universes. I could I wouldn't want that. I would much rather see them make a Superman game, see them make a Daredevil game, see them make a Ninja Turtles game like there's a million other grounded heroes that fight in an, in an open world that I'd like to see. But I could also see them being like, well, Batman's still fucking the biggest thing going. How do we yeah. somehow capitalize on that? Maybe it is just we, what if we make a uh, one in the DC cinematic universe? What if we do a bat flick game? It would be cool mm. to see Batman again. I just, I think it's, it's selfish of me to want that. Cause I think, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm right there with you. Be cool I, to see I, them do Superman too. I think, ah, no, I agree hundred percent. John Horgan wants to know what video game characters would you like to see in a crossover game? Not Smash Bros type, but story mode centric. A couple years ago, there was a big rumor going into E3, as there ought to be, where a game called Nintendo Fusion was being talked about, and it was going to be Metroid and Star Fox story-based stuff. And I was like, that is fucking awesome. At this point, I do not want that at all. But a couple of years ago, yeah. I wanted that real That's bad. the problem is I feel like it's hard to do that and not have it be super cheeseball or not work where fucking Samus is talking to this Fox man. What the hell? Like, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I know there's crazy ass aliens and shit yeah. in Metroid, but still like, you know, this cartoon Fox and I'm this badass bounty hunter. Like, what? how are we making this work? Yeah, I don't really want that stuff. I don't really like that. I like things to kind of exist on their own. That's yeah. why I was so happy. Well, I don't want to spoil anything. Never. I love crossovers. I love them a lot. I feel like there's a, a, a very special place for them. And you said not Smash type, but like Marvel versus Capcom to me is always such a special game just because yeah. you get all the characters together. And it's like I liked the even taking it out the the gameplay of that and it because it, it is just people together. The stupid story elements they had not canon doesn't matter, but just the interactions between all these different characters. I always love that shit. And I think I think that. Uh, it's it is hard to not be cheesy, but it's like if they just kind of own the cheese. But that's the thing is, yeah, embracing that kind of shit makes sense. But I'm sorry for like, uh, yeah, for a fighting game for sure. That's why Persona is able to get away with it. That's why you know, Captain, mm-hmm. like the games you're talking about. But it's just outside of that when it is like 
I want to see Lara Croft mashed up with Uncharted. It's like, well, that kind of takes away from both of them. And how are they going to do this? And what's how's that work? Oh, see, I'm into that. I love it. But it, the, the thing is, I love it at a point. Like, I, I would love that now because I, I've gotten the Uncharted. I've sure. gotten the Tomb Raiders. I know what those are. I have enough experiences alone where it's like, oh, cool. This is something that could be different. It is. How do they mesh those things? And I, I always think that it's interesting when they there is two lines of canon and you have to kind of cross them over and try to make it make sense together. I don't like it when it's bullshit and they're just like, they come up, oh, it's an alternate universe or whatever. It's like, I like when there is a grounded reason or grounded within the, the canon of, of why it all works. That's why the, the comics right now, of Batman, Batman Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles. you're going to bring it up. It's good. It's, it's, it's a I great it. comic. I think don't that that's wrong. a perfect way to, to do that type of stuff where it's like you read it and it doesn't feel too out of line to be a Ninja Turtle story or to be a Batman story. Sure. It does simultaneously feel like both. And uh, I think that the games, it's a little harder with because the gameplay needs to also do that as well as the story. But I think that if you take two franchises, like I think Uncharted and Tomb Raider actually is like the perfect example of that totally just works. But I think that you can take two franchises stories, give it a totally new type of gameplay so that people aren't like, you know, comparing it to one side or the other, but it's a new type of game but with the story elements of the other two. I think that could really work. And I, there's a whole bunch of shit that I'd like to see. Mm. Maximum Cortez. Never yeah. heard of him. Andy from Rooster Teeth. He says, what games resulted in the most broken controllers? Crash Team Racing. For Back you? in uh, the PlayStation days when there was a, that was the, the game that I got a multi-tap for. Nice. So we're talking four fucking controllers. And uh, it was an accident. What well, I know you're asking about rage, but I have never broken control out of rage. Oh, really? Yeah. I've only done it. No, I have. Once. I probably broke more at IGN, I guess. But like the one that always stands out to me is uh, freshman year of college. I'm uh, across the hall in my friend John's room playing uh, WWF SmackDown 2 on PlayStation 1 which was right because it was SmackDown, SmackDown 2, and then just bring it on PS2, I believe. Uh, but SmackDown 2, because like the story with that is like, I, you know, I moved to Mizzou. I didn't know anybody. And one day I shut my door to go to class and I turned the corner and I heard the SmackDown music, like the menu music. And I like went down the hall looking in every room until I found John. I was like, where are we friends? And so we, we go over there and play. And he always played his creative character, uh, Johnny Charisma, who's this high flying little shit. That fucking would get up every time and he would land these moves and like his, you know, momentum meter would spike, but I was good enough usually to beat it. But there's this one time where I'm sitting on the floor playing him with my PlayStation one controller and he just keeps doing this flip off there and getting up fast enough. And he's like, he's storing finishers and stuff. And like, I couldn't do anything. And I remember just going fucking slamming it down on the floor, but it was a concrete floor. So I just shattered the base of the controller. Yeah. But then I went on to beat him because I scared him so badly. <laughs> and the fact that so I'm was ra- raging in his arm, it was totally worth it. Yeah, that's, that's funny for me. So like I said, I, I never broke it out of rage, but my fucking uh, friend put the multi-tap on a window and the window was open. Didn't know. We like, I forgot exactly how it happened, but we just finished a race and we put the controllers down. The multi-tap falls out the window, pulls all the controllers with it and all four controllers fall like five stories. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was bad. I forgot. Yeah. You're growing up in San Francisco. I'm thinking like a second story house. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. And then four controllers. God. Broke. Four in one. That seems like one of the, that would have been the perfect time for one of them to act like a grappling hook and like catch the windowsill. There was so, it it was one of those situations where there were so many ways that that could have not happened. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, I I gotta say, I'm kind of impressed that it did because like you would think that the multi-tap wouldn't have enough like wait wait to yeah. pull four fucking controllers but i guess it did they were they were uh, just the original playstation sure no 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 dual so it didn't have the the dual stick uh, dual stick so <laughs> dual stick yeah but um uh, yeah do you ever break a controller colin yeah definitely i mean um 
organically it would break them playing games like uh, Dreamcast controllers really flimsy. So I've talked about how crazy taxi we broke controllers, but uh, I, the last game I broke a controller out of rage for was I think Heavenly Sword, um, and uh, that was one of the six axis controllers that had no girth, and, and they you just I just smashed it on my desk and I just like broke it. Um, but I always remember throwing controllers when I was a kid, which was like a funny thing, and it was funny on the NES and SNES because they were they were attached to the system, so like you would just throw your controller and the game would like reset. I remember just like walking away from games that were just like blinking like gray. You just like walk yeah. like fuck this game, yeah. Just to keep it like that for hours, or whatever. Yeah, I was, really yeah, really I was like, yourself. that's your punishment game. Yeah, exactly. That's what you get for being a dick. <laughs> um, Michael Barbosa says, "What are some of your favorite old games that you'd want to play in a Let's Play?" My God, that list for me yeah, is so long. I literally, I have uh, documents of like games that I hope to one day Let's Play. It's just Let's Plays are just so not a focus for us, and it, it gets hard to kind of prioritize that stuff let alone to bring in something old and try to figure out how to make it work and get all this stuff working yeah and that's the other problem is like early on we did a bunch of old ones and then our little converter thing stopped exactly. working and it was like fuck but i definitely like the old first ninja turtles on nes yeah, was, was the game. game that broke the camel's back when it came to us doing the things mm-hmm. because we couldn't get it to fucking work yeah i love that always want to do that there's so many playstation games that i want to do i need crash 2 i need to beat crash 2 and 3 um i want to do full plays of those and then there's just it's just hard to figure out uh, a good way to to cover old games like what is the best let's play of an old game because most people want the whole game but that's hard to to make the content worth doing for the amount of views that that gets so it's kind of like figuring out the right uh, equation to making it fun making it entertaining but also making it worth doing um, because yeah if it was if it was obviously worth doing that's all I would do is just play old games yeah oh yeah uh, Hi, Greg. Talking to you. Let's see. Your ear drum. How long uh, we've been going? Like you want. We'll do a couple more questions. Ryan Varel says, "Why can't a company like Disney succeed in the video game industry?" They're just not specialized enough. I don't think. I think you have to be all in. I mean, when you think about the companies, the publishers that do succeed, they're publishers of video games. They don't do other things. You know, like Activision doesn't do anything else. EA doesn't do anything else. Obviously, these these companies diversify in some ways, but um. Video game industry is a unique beast, and you have to have you know specialty in doing that. And Disney hemorrhaged a lot of money, um, so it's just not for everyone. And I don't think that you know I think that you know there are some mid-sized publishers that are still probably not long for this world. So I don't think it's a safe space for a lot of companies to be in. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, I mean we did a whole topic about it, right? I think it's also just Disney being smart and coming to that realization that we could be doing other things, and we are really good at other things, and we should do those things in partnering with people who do these video games really well. Yeah, very smart. Zachary Hood says, how can I find friends through gaming? I mean, I think the uh, easiest answer and I think a very, very, very effective answer is forums. Kind of funny.com slash forums. There you go. But it's like there is such a community. Those people are there to be friends, to have conversations about games. I think it's easier to find friends through gaming when it's not actually through the gaming. Having said that, um, Alfredo is very, very obviously into multiplayer games. And the amount of real life friendships that he's formed over the last 15 years that I've known him through playing games with people. It's crazy. Like the the crews that he runs with and the teams that he runs with, like those are his people, you know, and I think it's really cool and awesome that like I'll be down at and all over the fucking country for events we're doing. Like we were in Texas for SGC last year or when we're at E3 or whatever. People will come up to me like, Tim, hey, like. I'm Alfredo's friend. I'm on his team, whatever. And it's like, that's just, you're, like, you're lying. Get away from they're me. They're local to that place. You know? And I think that it's, it's cool that, um, because of the internet, you can kind of have friends anywhere you right. want. Mm-hmm. Let's see. 
George Barrett says, how many generations of consoles do you see HD remasters continuing oh, to? Oh, God, that's a great question. Forever. Yeah, forever in perpetuity. I mean, they won't be called HD remasters. Now they'll be called collections because these games are already in HD. Do you um, think it'll be, though, like, I guess it'll be that on PlayStation 5, right, we'll get all of the Batmans. That's how they'll go around to doing it. We'll get Arkham City, Arkham Knight, Arkham Asylum. Maybe. maybe. I, I think that we might advance so far in the next five to ten years that some of these games just might not be long, you know. Not, might not belong on these consoles because they might just not look good anymore. It's the way we almost feel about like, why isn't there a Crash Bandicoot collection? It's like because like those games look like garbage, you know, and they, they, they play they, like garbage too. They, yeah. and, like the and it's not a, it's an N sixty four PS one era polygonal games just don't look right anymore. So those mm-hmm. games aren't good to re release. I mean, we saw. I mean, with rare exception, we saw Final Fantasy seven for instance come to PS four, and it looks like shit. But like it is what it is. So I, I wonder if we'll have the similar lens. Look, look at the old games in a similar lens. But I don't think so because a lot of these games have a lot of artistic direction style. Yeah. As opposed to just putting like, you know, polygons together. I hope it just if it's going to keep going, it's just one generation back of, hey, there's this new console and you're buying it. Did you know you missed these games on PlayStation 4 or Xbox One? So on the next one, you get those. Because that seems like what the majority of them are nowadays, right? With the exception of a PS2 classic. Yeah, there's things every, every now and then. But I think that it's. It's less about the they won't be HD remasters, obviously, because of what Colin said. But I think that there it's less going to be about the graphics or whatever. But it's going to be more about what do the new consoles offer that these don't. And like that's when you look back, that's all that reiterations of games are. When you look at now, the it's not even HD remasters when we're we're talking about the PS3 to PS4 jump. It's just yeah, here's a, a collection, definitive edition, yeah, games, or, but not even a collection. Last of Us, you know, what I mean? right? Things like that. I think it's just that's just going to be the norm, and like. I it's I think it's a good thing overall. It sucks that you know, like if you have to buy it twice, but you don't have to buy it twice. I feel like the the they've taken their foot off the gas a bit. For a while there it was like, what the fuck are you doing? And now it is like, okay, I guess that makes sense. Sure, why not? Like as development cycles get longer and longer, companies and publishers need to worry about making money and keeping everybody going in a business. So it makes sense for WB who doesn't have an Arkham Knight this year to say, All right, cool, let's put out the other two Arkham games since people like those, wanted those, wanna play them again, here you go. Yeah, I think it's like a easy way to kind of fill the void that like things like Fallout New Vegas and stuff like that did before, where it's just like, here, let's keep the brand in people's sure. conversations and all that stuff. Final question of the day comes from Taylor. Now, and back at IGN, when you get early slash review copies, are they retail? Do they have their own special box or do they come in a bland secret box? It depends. Nowadays, it's codes. The, the industry's changed mostly to where you just get codes for games, and that's on retail. It's running on retail. Uh, part of it I don't know if it was this shift of this generation as much as it was our shift as well, but it seems like it's always retail. It's rare nowadays, correct me if I'm wrong, for us to really feel get, be getting debug PS4 builds. If you're getting that, it's like, hey, I've this game's... debug version of a game the entire time we've been doing. This game's like, six months out, so here's a build to go play like three levels of or whatever. I think yeah. that with... No, that wasn't even when we did the Ratchet and Clank uh, Let's Play before it came out three months ago. That was a code on retail that they mm. uploaded. They uploaded that stuff to retail so it would work. Because at IGN, back in the day when we when I started and it was working PlayStation 2 stuff and the PlayStation reviews, you got burned CDs and DVDs all the time, or DVDs all the time, and then PlayStation 3 was the same thing, and those just arrived, yeah, a plain old gem case and a burned disc in there with something written in Sharpie on what it was, and then now it just feels like discs are pressed so early, discs are, or games are, if you want it to get reviewed, are uploaded so early that you're just getting the retail experience. Yeah, I think the for the retail games that we do get usually for me it's been nintendo games it's it is hit or miss where it does sometimes just come in a bland box like it's it'll be the retail disc but it's not actually in the box box it'll be more like some weird white 
box that's really nondescript sure. or, or whatever. But yeah, it, they're usually retail games completely. So yeah. this topic brought to you by Total War Warhammer. What is Total War Warhammer? It's a fantasy strategy game of legendary proportions. It combines an addictive turn-based campaign of conquest and empire building with explosive, colossal real-time battles, all set in the vivid and incredible world of Warhammer fantasy battles. It's the perfect match. It's a marriage made in gaming heaven. We're talking a fantasy world of perpetual war and massive battles that you'd find in Warhammer mixed with the critically acclaimed epic scale and conquest-based strategy games of Total War. Total War plus Warhammer equals a gorgeous, high fantasy world of perpetual war and conquest on a colossal scale, brought to life in hours and hours of gripping strategy gameplay. Epic fantasy Total War style, no one's done Warhammer or indeed fantasy like this before. From the personal skills of your characters to 20,000 roaring orcs, no fantasy strategy game is this big and detailed. As a fantasy spectacle, it is unmatched. If you're a PC gamer and not involved, you're missing out. Factions that all feel and play very differently. Each race is wholly different with their own unique characters, campaign mechanics, battlefield units, and play style. So, if you're interested in this, go over to PC, Steam, all that stuff. 5-24-2016. That's... By the time you're listening to this, probably going to be that. So it'll be out. Yeah. You yeah. Can check that yeah, shit yeah. out. Unless you're over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games supporting us. And we thank you very much for that. Yeah. Then you can just get ready. Prepare your bodies. Prepare your bodies for total war. Total war. Total war.